so what I wanted to talk about since we, I started realizing that we have a, a, a little bit of an interesting gathering with the four of us, me being a former chief of training, Babel, you coming from a, a department that didn't necessarily have the ability to train incoming firefighters, mm-hmm. uh, Shane, you're uh, chief of operations for a large department or responsible for staffing trucks. And Hatch, you come from a department that actually had an incident that ties into this. So the subject is fast tracking and whether or not you hire individuals with credentials from outside of a department and at what point do you accept those credentials and at what point do you say we're not accepting your credentials, you're going to have to do our training. First, I don't think you can accept credentials at face value. They don't just walk in and here's my credentials. I'm good to go. So I will say that. Okay, so that... Let there me, are no credentials that we do that with? I, um, I'm trying to think for us. We do it with uh, a driver's license. We do it with paramedic. We do it yeah. with paramedic. No, we don't. Because we require skills verification that, but you're right on the driver's license. So that is one that we would not necessarily... Except Challenge. I could argue that too, because We're gonna we make give you, you go through with drive time, right, and right. so we can't even say there's not a skills verification okay. for that. But there are local departments and departments around the country keeping the topic broad for everybody that will absolutely um, take credentialing that has been pre-established, whether it's national standard, state standard, or whatever it is. So you take a smaller department that doesn't have the ability, the resources to put on a recruit class, and you come in as a, whether you follow Pro Board, IFSTA, IFSAC, whatever process you follow, they set a minimum standard and they'll accept it and you will lateral in. And there's a lot of states and local uh, here in our state that will accept it. Um, a lot of departments, absolutely. Are doing right. That. So, so is it right? Is it wrong? I, I it think it's both. What I'll say from, and I know Hatcher has great feedback on this and history. I'll tell you from, even we could take it to where I'm currently at right now. Technically, we're 100% lateral mm-hmm. if you look at the way we operate. And previous departments where we took laterals in, the advantages to it are that you're able to have people come in with different experience levels already certified and uh, you can have them operational. So financially, it's a huge benefit. But you're not taking it at face value. A lot of places are taking it I'm at face value. I'm saying you are not. Me as a person? No, you as a department. Your department's not. Because what you'll say is, I'm trying to say that you know there should be some skills verification, and you would agree there should be some skills verification. However, the hiring process itself is verifying skills. Depending, so where I was, no, that there was no skills verification. Where, well, so where I currently am, we actually just changed the onboarding process to where there is going to be a skills verification because of the fact that. So let's look at separate it real quick, and and I think this. You're will, just what you're doing is you're formalizing the skills. We're formalizing, but you I'm already just, had the skills verification. I was a part of it. You've been a part of it. Well, the state, it depends. You talking about the CPAT we did? No. I don't want to ruin this, this uh, recording. <clears throat> okay. The standard of the skill verification is what's critical. So going back to... That's where I'm going. Going back to Bill's original question, or uh, the question you posed were, uh, do I agree with it or not? It is contingent on how you are verifying the skills that you're hiring for. So let's take, for example, you are a national registry paramedic. At one point in your career, you got your paramedic license to the highest standard. When you come and apply for a job somewhere to lateral in, I feel that there should be something in place to verify that those skills are still present today. If you don't have that, I've seen the results of it and unfortunately i think that you put yourself at a great deal of risk when you are not doing something to verify that that person holds the skills that they are giving you a paper that says that they have that makes sense yeah i agree with that same thing goes on the fire side here's the example that i'll give so one of the things that they do at a department is say hey we need a letter from your department that says that you drive certain apparatus 
yeah, so I'm a truck driver, I'm an engine driver, I'm a whatever driver. What that paper doesn't say is how many times you've crashed that truck or had some type of... It just says of, you do it for our department. Correct, so you've done it for your department. So <clears throat> although I think the lateral process is great for the financial impact, in other words, hey, you, we're going to be able to reduce the financial impact of a recruit class or condense that recruit class... I think that there needs to be some serious vetting of those things to make sure that you don't pay for it on the other side, which is going to be on the liability side. So what you're saving up front, you may end up doubling financially and cost later. If you don't standardize some sort of skill What is the minimum standard verification Hmm. that you're going to do? So that's kind of my view on it. Now, I'm curious about Hatch's point. Yeah. This has been, this <laughs> He's has been, been making faces. Right. Yeah. So this is, and I've been looking at Pavel, so I hadn't been able to stare at you. I've been staring at him. He's but been now been I'm making some funky eyes. Uh, so I agree on the skills verification, but I also think, and this is going to really come off unpopular. You do a lot. So. I know, I know. It's, it's a different thing to have experience in certain places as opposed to having experience in others. You know, it's easier to take a place that runs a lot, you know, 30 calls with lots of varied situations and have them apply to a place that goes and maybe runs 10 calls and not so many varied. It's a lot. It's not the same thing to take the guy that goes 10 calls and goes to 30. Do you understand what I mean? So you're saying if that person coming in fast-tracking comes from a department that you know runs, you're willing to take their credentials a little bit at more face value? Uh, no, no, not the, necessarily their credentials, but their value may not be the same, right? So if, you, if you're saying credentials all across the board, uh, let's say it's something, you know. NPQ Firefighter 2. Right, let's just right. go with that. Right, that. right. You know, and five years experience in this department and five years experience in this department are not the same Correct. experience. Yeah, but you got to be even careful doing that. Yes. The departments themselves are right, but we're talking about an individual. So an individual came who may from a, came from a fast-running department, but every day was his first day, you don't get a good product on the other end. Just, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. I mean, it's it, you're right. It has to be on the individual. I mean, I, just, I have seen the negative of <coughs> us just taking things at face value coming from a department. And getting here, and then so when we thrust them in a situation, they're ill prepared for it because they're like, "All right, I'm here and I'm doing this, but I haven't done it like to the level that you guys do it." So this again, that's the standardization of how you're verifying, and I I, I believe that putting through someone through some type of process within your department in the lateral process. First of all, every organization functions a little bit different, so I think it's critical to have some type of program in place. But, uh, again, being in a place that is made up of 100% of what you can call lateral hires, there's a lot of challenges that come to it. Uh, The biggest thing is going to be verifying what standard do we want to verify at. Because let's take the, the department that doesn't run much. So you take a department that doesn't run a lot but does a lot of training. These guys are training constantly. Guys and girls are training uh constantly to these mpq standards you know they got all that skill set but you're saying they don't have the experience i could see some of the downfalls to that too but i've also had the experience where we've onboarded people that we expect that they have a this is going to be high caliber because they came from a high volume department well every day was their day one for them they really never developed they were they were running a lot of calls but they weren't really performing so the, the departmental standard of what you're hiring, what is the culture that we're establishing here during that lateral process, as long as there is a set standard, this is what we want to put so out to the field. You believe that we could have a lateral program. Yes. It just needs uh, some kind of good verification, skills verification. So what does that look like? Yeah. As a former I, I, I don't know either. As that's, a that's former good. chief of training and someone who does not endorse fast tracking because I never could come up with what that looks like. I mean, I'd be all for it, but I could not come up with what are those tests that we're going to say, if this person can do this, then you're good to go. Well, now it's... Because a lot of them end up being... Well, let's see if they can pull a hose. That's subjective. 
You're going to have somebody standing there that's going to evaluate whether or not they're pulling a hose. You have to get into written testing. And then, okay, well, now what written testing are we going to use? And does written testing really show whether or not somebody can fight fire? And right. There's all kinds of arguments. Right. Well, it, when they come in with a certification, and I, and I understand, look, let's separate experience from certification and all that. But when people are coming through the door in a training division, I, I think what you want is to show, do they meet the standards of this certificate that they brought in. So you bring in firefighter too. There's very specific skills that you have to show competency in for that <coughs> firefighter too. So with that being said, I'm t- and this is where I understand what you're saying, Hatch, with the experience, but I put this to the side of a little bit because remember, most of the people who do not do well with some of this testing are the ones that have a great deal of experience because they don't test me on my paramedic skills from 12 years ago, right. you know. So when you come through the door and you're giving me an MPQ certificate, for instance, you're a firefighter too, then there's certain skill sets that I would expect for you to be functional in. For me, a fast track program that is testing you to that level, to the, you bring me a paramedic certificate, then I want to make sure you have that skill set. You bring me a firefighter two certificate, I want to make sure you meet those standards. Along with the fact, of course, that they have to meet your departmental standards, which should be somewhat mirrored by that national or state standard. Does but how do you sense? do it? That's, that's the issue. As the person who used to have to sign the, the piece of paper when the person graduated the fire academy, or if you want to call it graduation, whatever you want to call it, when they left the fire academy after fast-tracking, and we didn't ever do it while I was down there, so this is hypothetical. But if I did have to sign the certificates for the people that we had put through training, and when you put your name on that piece of paper that you are endorsing this person is up to standards and you know, they are ready to go to the field, now. Mm-hmm. It, it, I didn't take that lightly. So if we were to do that with a fast track, I, did, I never got to a point where I was comfortable with whatever it was that we were going to do. So is there, in your opinion, is there no way to do a fast track program? I don't know how. Because I I how, do know how. how, do we, how do it we, would be totally subjective. It would be me standing there or someone standing there and going, yep, okay, they've got it. Right. And that doesn't, when, when something bad happens, that subjective evaluation isn't enough for, for somebody to stand up and say, yeah, no, you proved that they were okay to be in the department. Well, it's only subjective if you're writing out what the standards are. So let's take for an example that you're you're going through the fast track and you're doing your suppression, your firefighting skill sets, right? It's subjective if you make it up. Objective is the state, the pro board, the IFSAC, right, the standards, the whatever standard here's, is. Here's my problem. Well, hang on. Hatch is shaking his head. What, so then what standard I've are you I've done a to? skills check off here where the guy was telling me I didn't know how to pull ceiling, and that guy's never been in a burning building before. So you can't say that, 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 that that is even going to be as objective. It's still that individual saying that they're trying to read to the letter of the law. I've been in way more buildings and pulled ceiling way more than that guy has. To sit there and tell me I don't know what I'm doing, you're an idiot. But so, during the fast so during the fast track process, if you have to evaluate somebody are. well, I'm an idiot too, it's fine. <laughs> I didn't mean you. If you have to evaluate somebody's skills and you want to keep it to not be subjective, and really it's a CYA thing. Like so, you said, you want to put your name on it, then what are you how are you checking the skills? Right, what are you basing I'm, it I'm on? I'm gonna bait you. Can I bait you? He should be easy. Go ahead. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to take your soul. All right. We got got a challenge right here. This will be good. So would you say that using on a fast track for evaluating somebody coming into a department, would you say that using the NPQ um, evaluation, what do we call those, skill stations? Yes. Okay. Would you say that using the checkoffs for the skill stations would be an adequate test? What does NPQ stand for? National Professional Qualifications. That's for the non-firefighters that listen to us. Okay. The one non-firefighter that listens to us. So, actually, you bring up a great point, Hatch. So, I'm going to answer your question, uh, yes. For those that are listening that don't understand it, the reason why is because you have a state standard. For those, not every state is a pro board, NPQ state. Um, 
but all states have a minimum state standard, some level of standardization. And then for most state in the United States, they recognize MPQ Pro Board, which is a higher standard. So the national standard to me, that's the highest level that the fire services put out. So my answer would be yes, I would test them to that standard. All right, so now it's story time. Okay. This will take maybe about 90 seconds. Your last story did not go well. I know. (laughs) (laughs) So... Uh, I get made chief of training and it's in the middle of a, a recruit class. Okay. So I inherit a group that's already halfway through their recruit class. As we get to the end of this recruit class, we're doing our NPQ testing. We've got evaluators in from the state and anytime anybody failed one of the stations, they were supposed to call me on the radio and I was supposed to come up for the retest to witness it. So that we could, you know what I mean? Right. Next level up, chief of training standing here now to make sure everything's going the way that it's supposed to go. So they called me up to the burn building and they said, we've got a retest we want you to, to watch. And this particular station was a charged hose line, inch and three quarter, that the person being tested was supposed to advance through the front door of the burn building. Uh, they would go through the door, take a right, go down three stairs, go to the left do a TZ and O pattern, and then back out. No fire. No fire in the building. It's all We're all just pretending at this point. So when the evaluator told this individual to begin, the individual stood there. And for quite a, more than 15 minutes, the individual stood there. Did not move. And then over the next few minutes, inched their way into the building and then back out. And I turned to the evaluator at the end and I said, so that's a failure. And he said, no, that's a pass. And I said, how can it be a pass for somebody to wait 15 minutes to make entry on a burning building? And he said, she, he said that person could have waited two hours to move in and I'd still have to pass them because there are no time requirements. So I said I was baiting you because... I agree those those standards ought to be it, but there's a piece missing from it. You know what I mean? Yes. So if I accept that NPQ2 certification as a legit certification, <clears throat> it actually, this person, and this person did not end up passing, but that person passed that portion of the testing. Right. So, I, I, and I'll take the bite on that. So I, I understand that there's always going to be those loopholes, and God, we know in the fire service that we're like, jailhouse attorneys will figure out every loophole of the system there's nothing that says that we can't go above the standard that's been written for starters okay so there's nothing that says that we can't adopt that pro board but put a time frame behind it but let's just take it for what it is we're going straight off of the mpq i would rather um and some of them don't have times like that one i'm very familiar with that one so, yes, at, when you're asking, well, what do we do? The reason it's so easy for me to say yes is because unless someone else has written a standard to operate from, which you haven't, I can give you a supported standard. This is the standard. There's going to be little loopholes in it like that, yeah, that you can find going, well, they stood there for 15 minutes. My question would be, was what's the preparation to get to the point where they're sitting there for 15 minutes? Because typically by the time you get to your testing phase, you have been prepared for it. So you have the ability within your department to say, hey, we're going to do these evolutions. We're doing it to these standards, but it's going to be mine. I'm owning it. So we're putting a 10-minute hack to it. But even if I adopted adopted it for its totality, and you know we've spoken recently about – some of the programs, because I think almost every department or most people that teach around the country, you'll teach part of a program and you may inherit people that took a program somewhere else and they're finishing it off with you, some of the technical rescue stuff or whatever. I can always fall back on that I'm teaching off of a state or a national standard. Once I start putting my pieces into that is when we start having issues. So when you say would you do the MPQ? Yes. Although it has fault in it that we could say, well, you know, they stood there for 15 minutes. What I can say is this has been a nationally vetted and approved program. 
So, and, and, and I would agree that the, the point of that also is, is that you've established a minimum standard. It's a minimum standard. So I think you can use that NPQ skills verification, that skills task sheet, whatever, to, uh, to vet the minimum standard. And then you can still have that quote-unquote subjective piece to meet your standards or departmental standards. Correct, correct. Are they performing to what we think they should perform? You know, a great example of this would be the CPAT. Uh, A lot of country, a lot of uh, departments around the country have adopted the CPAT, right? Candidate Physical Agility Test. Right. Thank you, Hatcher. You're so good at that. Yeah, you're awesome. I always Uh, wondered what that meant. So the (laughs) Candidate Physical Ability Test, and some just make up their own. Now, let's look at some of the departments that make up their own. They're very successful. They do it, no problem. They set the standards. Sometimes it's to a state standard. Sometimes it's just something that they came up with. But why do a lot around the country go to the actual candidate physical ability test? Because it is supported nationally, vetted, and it is a standard that can be supported. Once you start making it up in your own, you can, and it's not a problem till it's a problem. And then all of a sudden you can't stand behind it because they're going to say, well, how many people did you have go through the program? We had our whole department go through it. How many females you got? Two. That's an unbalanced system. And you start getting into all these legalities and red tape. So for me personally, with any um, program that someone is doing in a department, I would say, what are you basing your program off? The fast track program, the end result is for you to test a candidate to meet what minimum standard? If you've established that minimum standard for yourself, great. And it doesn't mean, hey, I'm putting out this phenomenal firefighter by uh, checking them off to this standard, but there has to be some standard that you are comparing them to, and it can't be just a subjective standard. So are you for or against lateral programs, Hatch? A little bit of both. Uh, I've seen it before. I I like it that it brings in guys who generally are, are guys and girls are generally already interested in being in the fire service. And for us, you know, we weren't the highest paid. We, we run a good bit. So what we could provide them were the opportunities to do their profession, to, to do their trade, to actually get involved in some of it. And so I, I, I like that. I like people who want to come in and, and test themselves and see, see what they could do. On the other side of it is, I, you know, we – and, we, and this is something we did that, you know, we actually gave incentives pay for, you know, however many years from wherever you came from. And so that put guys who were already there working the same amount of time in our department, taking the BDs, taking the same experience, they were going to get paid less than some guy who was from another department running a lot less calls and get paid more. It just created a it created disparity. A, yeah, it created a really big problem. So still, still, still kind of the same thing is, you know, you got a guy comes in and this is uh, – you, you, tend to have a little bit of an attitude sometimes from guys, you know, I'm 10 years from so-and-so department, I'm not a rookie anymore, mm-hmm. and I come into this department and, you know, you're expecting me to clean toilets. Yeah, dude, it means nothing to us. It got you in the door, you know. I, I like, too, that it, it's a fast way to fill voids. You know, right now we have a huge right. uh, staffing issue, and it takes somewhere like... You guys are hiring right now, aren't you? Correct. But I, I <laughs> but uh, it takes like 14 months, I think, to send somebody all the way through if they do both fire and EMS sides. What does it take in us, Bill? A year? Ten months. Just shy a year. Ten months. <clears throat> so what if, if there's no wait time. And we're only training the EMT basic. B, right. So let me ask you a question. Yeah, we do. Advance. Y'all probably going to A. For, for large metropolitan departments, <laughs> uh, Bill, your department, if... If I fill out an application for your department and I get hired and I am a paramedic, do I have to go through an EMS program? Yes. No. <laughs> you do. Define program. Do I have to take any type of training or skills check? Or There is a skills check. However, I would argue and have argued in the past that uh, your paramedic certification through National Registry is a much, much harder certification to get than NPQ-2. Much harder. I'm using the EMS for for a reason, but right now I have to go through a skills check? Yeah, they're going to verify your skills. Based on what? Those standards. What standard? Those exactly where you are going. The National Registry standards? Okay. What if... So... My problem is that the standards for National Professional Qualifications, Firefighter 2, are 
way too low. Okay. Way so too low. It, we have set the bar down here. So you understand that some states... Down where? Well, I pointed to the ground. <laughs> <laughs> for so, our non-viewers. Yes, for listeners. Our non-viewers. For some states would watching. say the same yeah, watch thing. Watch it on the YouTube about, channel. Uh, some would say the same thing about National Registry, and they have state boards that they have to do because they feel that the standards for National Registry are not high enough. The thing with EMS versus fire is that it's almost like fire. You, you have, or with EMS, you have limited avenues to go. It's either your National Registry and you get automatic reciprocity or the state has a program for itself. And when you go get um, evaluated, most of the skills are so well-defined that there's very little deviation. So if you're running a cardiac arrest and you're doing a code or whatever, most of those are pretty well-defined. When you go to the fire side of it, you know, we say, what do we test them to? We actually have here in the state of Georgia, we have state-level testing, and we also are a national registry state. Uh, MPQ state, I'm sorry. So with the MPQ being the highest that we have access to, when we check them to those skills, we've reached the highest. I want to throw a caveat in there. Because I'm saying that standard doesn't mean that I don't want the ability to bring in somebody, whether it's EMS or fire, and run them through things that are applicable. So the best example I can give you for that is this. If you have a firefighter, too, that's getting ready to test at, at your department because he lateraled in to the MPQ2 level or firefighter 1 level because he already has a certification, you're getting ready to evaluate him. What's not included in there's all the specifics. So if you come to my city, just because you're a medic that has that skill set and our national registry, you may not know what a Life Pack 15 is like, a Rad 57, a Lucas machine. There's a lot of intricacies that have to be covered within your lateral process that may be nonspecific. So just because I'm saying we need to test to a standard doesn't negate the fact that, you know, we use these nozzles, these hoses, these trucks, a tiller versus a straight stick, a rear mount, mid mount, a fire commander versus a manual pump. So all of those specific have to be covered. It's just what I'm testing them to. So at the end how of long does that take? Uh, Here, that's going to be department the specific. Question. That's going to be department specific because that's where you get into. And I mean, I I did some research when I was in training, and there were fast track programs that were two weeks, and there were fast track programs that were eight weeks. Well, our fire is only twelve weeks. When you're talking eight to twelve, that's not a lot to me. Well, not anymore. It's not. Well, you're right. It's twenty around <clears throat> twenty two right. weeks. So, um, but. You get into that, you know, and just for anybody that's not familiar with MPQ, you can't retake MPQ tests. The solution is I mean, bringing the, you can, well, but you just not we, necessarily. We can get have the skill sheets, for for right? We can have the skill skill sheets, but they're not going to come so out. So is, test you is eight weeks enough time to verify someone's skill? I don't know. It depends on what level. So what we I'm were, asking you. Well, what we were our, doing to what we would think our standard would be is eight weeks enough. What we were doing at the time in training was basically that we were taking the IFSTA book and every day of that 16 weeks or whatever, we were covering a chapter in the book. There's 32, 33 chapters, something like that. Every day was a chapter. I don't know how you go faster than that. And that was verifying with a written test. Here's this person knows this knowledge and then we'd go out and do the skills. So that was the note person who knew nothing. Well, no, yes, that's the person who knows nothing. Now we're talking about a person who's come with the... So the, then the decision is, which, which one, one, cherry pick, which ones of those are the important ones? So why can't we do that? Well, so, okay. So we cherry pick and we say, we're only going to test them on hose. And we're not testing. We're just verifying. No, we are testing. No, we're verifying. Because you just said we can't test twice. No, no, we can't test NPQ. But we're doing MPQ you could, standards. You could do the chapter tests from the, the textbook again. Do me and Pabell need to be here for this? You could do the chapter tests. That's a written test that you can give that's verified, validated. That's not verifying skills. That's verifying knowledge. But it's not all just skills, right? We, wanna, we do want to make sure they've got some knowledge. 
uh, that's where we're getting. They actually do like each other. <laughs> that's where we're getting into this conversation. Well, so so we're trying my, to my, verify okay. skills. So here's my problem as a training chief, signing off on somebody who's fast-tracked on a program where we have picked out of the 30-whatever chapters, we've picked 10 that we've decided are important. Okay. And one year outside of this person going to the field, they end up very, very injured in a fire. Okay. Doing something that was in a chapter that we didn't test. Okay. And let me, and we've talked about this before. There are two parts of that for me as the training chief. There's the legal responsibility where I get to point back and go, look, they're certified. But there's also a moral responsibility on top of that. Where as the training chief, did I do what I thought was required to make sure that this person didn't end up in that situation. Can, you, can a new recruit fail a particular chapter and still move on? I honestly don't know what the current... Let's just say they can. In theory, they should because be I, able to. I think they can. Let's okay. just say that they can they can fail a chapter, but still not necessarily fail out of the entirety, the minimum okay. standard. They didn't used to be able to do that. This argument said. Okay. <clears throat> How would that be any different that if that was the one chapter that they I, met? It wouldn't their, be different. Well, let me throw a caveat in here so just to make sure. First of all, by no way, shape, or form, I think that anybody's condoning any one program or, you know, there's a lot of departments do fast track and some that don't. And then there's the opinion on what would you rather do. So we're talking about fast track, but at the same rate, I can tell you if I had my choice, I wouldn't be doing fast track for other reasons we could discuss another day. What I will say on what you're talking about, uh, Shane, most testing is, I don't care if you're talking about technical rescue training, the fire training to EMS training, most testing when you get to the end of the phase after you've been taught all your lessons are spot checks. They're not totality checks. So you may go into a station, pull a number, and that number three says you're doing this. So as far as the legalities for us, what protects us is the standards that we're working by. So if I'm going base a pro board and you come to me and you are at the um, fire attack station and on that skill station, because that's, that's one of the skill stations that's a mandatory station. And you do that station, there's certain rules that go behind it. Now, unfortunately, and I know this has got to be sitting out there because it's even running through my head going, well, this is all crap anyway because just because you pass a skill, what does that mean for you to go out there and be able to do anything? That's just a test. That doesn't mean you're a good fireman or anything. The whole idea behind this is that we've done some type of verification so you can go out there and learn more. Even as a skilled fireman, uh, you put five to ten years in a department. And then you go to another department that has a lateral hire. I don't care if they're a, a high volume or a low volume department. We can reverse it here recently with somebody that left a very um, busy department and went to a department that probably runs less than half of the call volume. Well, this person still had a huge learning curve on how to operate within that system. So what we're trying to do is Make sure that you are meeting a minimum standard so we can send you out there and get additional training. If exactly. you're leaving a huge metro department for a small department or a small department for a large department, there's a lot to be learned. So I'll tell you from my pretense when I keep throwing this out is just going some type of verification that says, all right, you still retain these skills. You have some skill set to go function and learn because there's no way you're going to cover the totality that needs to be learned even if you've been around in the department for 10 years, when I transitioned from one department to the next, and I even worked for that other department for a while, once I was fully encompassed in the department, there was so much to learn that I didn't realize I didn't know. So I think it's just a minimum standard for skills, but it doesn't take away from the fact that there's a humongous amount of things that have to be learned. And you're always being spot checked on test. Few tests are 100% on every single skill. But then why aren't we? And I'm going to just go ahead and argue with this the other way. Then why aren't we accepting certs on face value? No further skills verification needed. You've proved it once. For that exact reason, you proved it once. But why isn't that good enough? We only test people for driver's licenses once. You only take one driver's test once in your life, and then you've got a driver's license for the rest of your life. You just have to renew it. There's an accountability process for the rest of your life, though, as to whether you keep that driver's license or not. And why is it any different? 
why am I being asked to do skills verification on NPQ stuff that I proved I can do? Hatch, what's the slowest station in your department? How many calls? Don't even give a number. Just... I know, I know. Uh, you mean yearly? Yeah, what's the annual run volume? Slowest one? Uh, maybe 800. Okay. What's the fastest one? The busiest. Busiest one? What's the, yeah, no. 6,000. Okay. So the firefighter that comes from 800, and he just got dumped into the 6,000 realm, does he go through a skills verification? No, he usually goes on sick leave for about a month. <laughs> He's just, holy shit, what just happened? <laughs> uh, no. Or does he? Does that captain not verify some skills as yeah, he comes yeah, in? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not official, though. Yeah, yeah. That's, so... Yeah, unofficially, yes. He should. He should. He had a recognized standard when he got there, but then the captain decided he still wanted to verify those skills. How is that, how is that different? I'm, I'm, are we drawing a comparison between coming into a department and going and into that's a station? A, I'm being a little but bit loose. I think, the, I, think um, the, I think the difference is is that if something were to go wrong, they're not going to go looking at the station officer and go, "What did you? Why did, why we did do you this? Why did you do this? that?" Uh, it immediately. Uh, sometimes they do. Okay, but it immediately goes back to what was documented by your training division for what this person did or did not do. So, is the hang up for you a legal hang up or a moral hang it's up? It's both. Which one's weighted? It weighted probably is. It's heavier on the moral. It really is. And I, I, I and if we want to go back six or seven years, I told the fire chief, I'm not opposed to a fast track program for our department, but I need to be out of training if you're going to do it. Because I, I don't think I can sign those. So then what happens to the departments and the chiefs and, and the people running cities around the country that say, you know, we're at huge deficits in personnel. We're putting our entire department at danger because of not being progressive enough to look at some of these programs. For instance, the zero to hero program. I think they're taking a, they're taking a calculated risk. They are saying we don't have the ability to do this. What's the best thing we can get with what we can buy? Is not the right way of putting it. Afford. Afford. Mm-hmm. Our department has the ability to put people through training, has the facilities, has the whatever. It's debatable, and I'm looking at Shane when I say this, it's debatable about whether or not we have time, and time is a, a huge component. That's a huge factor. But we have the ability to do all the other things. So then it becomes a question of, am I willing to do this fast, purely for the, the benefit of time, or am I willing to put time to the side and say, we're going to do this so that I know you've got it. And I can, I, and it falls back to if anything happens, somebody can, we can always point and say, this person had the exact same training that well, every other person in the department got. I, I will agree with you that we should be very careful hiring someone and saying we can, we hired this person because we can get them through fast. There needs to be some kind of system where we right. hired them and because we have a we have a, a way to verify their their knowledge base or their skill set, right? Here's part of the problem too. So we hire people that well, just about to boy, Hatch was just about so, to jump yeah, in, and then said Babel, no. Guess what? Too late. Said no. So we hire people that uh, and run them through <laughs> a, a complete recruit program, and we put them out to the field. And we have departments that, and some departments that have done both, right? Both of them could end up good and bad. Absolutely. So the the problem th- that we have is that sometimes the most applicable thing, although it may not be conducive to what we want with some of these lateral programs, the times almost force it. So take, for example, a department that just struggling for paramedics. It's a national shortage, right? So now some of them are doing the zero to hero program. You go straight from EMT through a paramedic. A lot of people are totally opposed to that. I'll reserve my opinion because it doesn't make a difference. I'm not doing it. And I can't really talk about something I'm not super versed in. But what I can say is there was a need. They came up with some type of solution. Now, for me, what immediately goes to my mind is what are you doing for to make up for the difference? What is 
what is the process after you go from nothing to a paramedic? What process do you have in line to assure that this person's ready for the job? All they may, although they may be field functional, are they working to that capacity the minute that they leave? Or is there a process after that that allows them to grow before they're totally on their own? So, you know, I, in an ideal world, in a utopic world, you'd have as much time as you want to run somebody through a complete recruit school, teach them everything that they need to, to know. And that's great. And a lot of people are doing that and they'll swear by it. That's the only way to do it. But then you encounter a lot of places they go, well, we can't do it. Now what? And then they have the lateral program. And some have been successful, and some have been catastrophic. Some so have actually wait, been. How are we? How are you say successful and catastrophic? How are you evaluating a, a program's success? What is successful? Successful is if you get ten people that go through a lateral program, they go out and they're ten or nine functional people that go on to have meaningful careers, at just like you would through a regular recruit class. Where a failure okay. is when somebody comes out of that program. And because of a skill that wasn't evaluated, wasn't assessed, enough vetting or whatever reasoning, there's a catastrophic failure when they go out. Okay. I.e., we've seen that around the country. Where somebody gets hurt. Somebody, somebody gets, gets hurt. Killed. Somebody gets healed. But killed. That's that's where I'm I'm at. Where how do you killed. how do you wait for that to happen before you say you know what this program was a mistake. <laughs> Yeah, but we run people through complete academies all the time with the same result. I, I and we don't that. say that was a mistake. Uh, well, we do We do go back and look at it, but we're, we are – we are – and I, I – believe me, I am all for getting people through and taking people. If we could take people – if I could do it, I'd do it. I could take people at Facebook. If it was up to me and I could wave my wand or be like the king and tap people on the shoulder and say, you are a firefighter. You, nope, I don't like the way that you were doing it, so you don't pass muster. You're going to have to, that'd be awesome, but you can't do that. Well, you know, come to think of it, the military, to a certain degree, certain branches will allow you to go in if you've been, if you have been part of another branch and go through a certain program, a branch will bring you in, not lateral, but you know what I'm saying? Sure. You've... And then other ones, they won't. So it's almost based off of what level of training did you receive? And based on that is whether we accept that knowledge base for you to skip from A, B, C and go into D. Right. So, right. Hatch, you I, were getting ready to say before I, I really cut you off. I really want to hear Hatch say yeah. something. He looks like he's loaded up with the... Uh, I forgot what I was going to say. Yeah, I'm just right, right. <laughs> well, what if... Uh, what if you extended the probationary period so that they're not completely, you know, you put them in the station, it covers the, you know, the overtime needs, the the staffing and having extra personnel on, I think on the truck. that's trip. fine, but you're still, if, if, our, if our determination as to whether or not a fast track program is successful or catastrophic is that person getting hurt, then they can still just get hurt during that probationary period. I, <laughs> it, does, it doesn't hurt to do it. You're right. Right. But I mean, to, to Pabell's point, you know, we have people that go through full academies that get hurt and, sure. uh, you know, and have probationary periods, you know, and we have gone through, you know, a lot of uh, changes for our, our recruits and stuff like that because of some of these things. And one of them is, that, you know, that we have an identifier on their helmet that lets anybody on the scene, you know, know that that's a probationary individual, you know, meaning that. They Watch out for them. Yeah, they're yeah. typically not going to know everything that everybody else knows. We do the same thing. Right. So, uh, I, don't, I don't know. You know, on the administrative side, I can see it. You know, you let's take let's make some round numbers. Let's say it takes you know fourteen months to get um, forty people through, right? And all forty graduate, which is probably pretty rare, yeah, right? All forty graduate, and then within that same you know fourteen months, you have an attrition of. 80 people you're going backwards by 40 people a year or right. every 14 months so there has to be some get out of the box kind of things and that's where i see the, the value in the in the fast track you're getting i see the value too you know people who are interested engaged possibly right. coming you know wanted to do you know there are going to be risk on either side you know the, the risk on the other side of doing at the full track is is that you're going backwards by 40 people right you know getting deeper and deeper up. which is 
I would say in some ways equally as dangerous in a more widespread and non-specific way because now you're asking more of people. We're doing more with less. True. You know, so and in this way, you know, again, you're right. It's a calculated risk. But, you know, I really see the value in that calculated risk of saying, you know, we're going to take people who are interested, engaged, want to do this, you know, blah, blah, blah. Right. But we've also been a department that's been burned by it. Right. Know? I have a hard time believing, Bill, that you cannot figure out a way to overcome this. If, like I said, listen, we're, we need to have a lateral program, and we need to do some way, we need to create this, some way to verify the skills, this what do you got? This isn't something that I, I spent five minutes thinking about and then just discarded. I mean, I spent a ton of time when I was in training. I was there for four and a half years. I spent a ton of time trying to figure this problem out. Researched Cobb, Gwinnett. Researched a bunch of metro departments that had programs to try and figure out where do we, you know, because if our department said we're doing it, then that was that. And like I said, I told the chief, I, they, you know, I, I'm going to have to rotate out of training, but just because I can't personally do it. But I get it. I want, I, I'm, I am not against it. What I'm trying to figure out is how do you do it so that. I feel good about it being the person as the chief of training at the time that stands up to the department and says, I'm sending you these people and we know they're good. Define success for a regular program. Forget the lateral for a minute. What's your definition of successful program? We put a hundred people out and they're, they're from zero to a hundred in abilities and knowledge and skill. Like we said before, we, they've met that standard. They so met what standard? Can't the, the minimum standard that we established when they got their cert. For your department? The NPQ cert. Okay. So your regular recruit class that lasts however many months, the success is that everybody met that minimum standard that was established, which happens to be NPQ. Yep. And you put them out to the field and they start working. Yep. How's that any different from a lateral? They've spent uh, a considerable amount of time in the depo- in the in training well there's some verification happening in training that they are retaining that knowledge well there's you're doing the, the same thing there's, there's, you, you, they're no, in there doing no, no, no. it so the recruit I mean okay the, but the, we don't we don't most of the people that we lose I'm helping you with this argument uh, well I wouldn't most of the people that we lose <laughs> I know it's weird we <laughs> you weren't expecting it. <laughs> didn't see that coming most of the people that we would lose uh, I can't say most Half of the people that we might lose out of a recruit class, which typically is around 20%, half of those people are going to be on issues that came up by virtue of them being in the academy for, for the length of time that they were. In other words, behavioral, disciplinary, things that just are exposed over time that we've told you that you have to report for duty this time every day and it doesn't pop up in the first week or the second right. week. It pops up in the seventh, eighth, you you know, down the line. It. And you're really exposing something that was there all along, in my opinion. And it's it's that you're exposing what was there all along. So when we shorten that period, when we shorten that evaluation period, um, and I know Hatch, you said probation, extend their probation. That might that that would be something. Typically, in our department, probation is after you're a full time sworn fire. You know, you're you're an employee now. You're a probation for that rank. I hadn't thought about it the way that I'm now thinking about it, where we say we're extending your probation as a as an employee of the department. Because in that in that frame, when they're going through the academy, you're not a sworn member of the department, we can get rid of you for anything. Right, same for us. And, and right. Until you come on probation, that's it's the only time where but you... See, that's, that's not the way. Once they, when, when they graduate the academy and they hit the field, they are a sworn, hired member and of the department. technically are getting a promotion. They're going Correct. to firefighter. So they they are in a probationary period, but that probationary period is really just probationary period for that rank. So we solved the problem then. What you were asking for, which is the time that you're, you're calling for them to basically expose everybody. Their, <laughs> all of America, you're welcome. I solved it. No, no. I mean, I, well, really, that is that is a completely different way of looking at it. That everyone's going to have a different concern, though. 
Every department is going to face a different concern when it comes to a lateral process. So if you're the holdup and send them to us at at bill at CTP (laughs) and I will solve them for you. And I'll answer you. Um, I think that's something we could consider. That might address some of those problems. In in today's public safety setting where we're having such a difficult time, I think most around the nation are reporting they're having such a difficult time getting candidates through the door, viable candidates to put through recruit classes and stuff like that. We have to get... It'll change soon. The economy will When the economy changes, it will. But, you know, till then, you got to come up with some... Uh, really strategic ways to get people through the door and fill those seats. Because well, you want to talk about liability. The, the, Being short-staffed is a huge liability. Not the other the side of this there. that would fix this for me morally and legally is if the standards were higher. As a department, you have the ability to raise the standards. But the whole this whole thing is predicated on the idea <clears throat> that why, and this is what you, you talk to a human resources director, this is what they say. I don't understand why you don't accept their certification. Not why aren't you verifying their skip. It's why don't well, you just take this certification? Well, let's, let's, and I, this is the this person was a firefighter in Chicago. This person was a firefighter in New York. You don't think they know how to fight fire? Well, let's talk about that for a second because it's actually a great point, and it was recently brought up in an article. If you want to become a nurse, most everybody knows what you have to do to be a nurse and what testing you have to do in order to become a nurse. If you want to be a doctor, it's the same thing. If you want to be an attorney, it's the same thing. You know, most professions have a standard, and most of the standards are the same for the most part. The problem with us in the fire services, or not the problem, the hurdle that we have to overcome in the fire services, not all of our standards are the same. So for a person in HR, I could totally understand, because if you probably ask them, what did you do to become... Uh, uh, the director in HR. Well, I went to school and I did this, and, right, I, had and I had my charm certification. Correct. Uh, nurse, doctor, attorney, whatever. Then you go into the fire service and you say, "Well, I did my recruit class in blank state, and I got a. I'm a certified firefighter through that state." And what they did, <clears throat> excuse me, they went through IFSAC, and then you go to somebody else and say, "Yeah, well, we. I went in this state, and we did." the IFSTA manual and this is the curriculum that we use and I'm a firefighter here and then you go to another one and they're pro board you go to one department you go through a recruit class when I went through the original uh, I know it was firefighter one two three and then they did MPQ one and all that I think it was like two weeks and you were done and now it's like eight weeks for you to be done so the standards are so different and that's why it's so hard to accept anything coming in is because there's such a difference in standards from department to department, not even just state. Even in our own state, depending on, you'll meet the state standard, but the recruit classes, a full recruit class can have a month difference from department to department. Mm-hmm. So that, yeah. So from human resources and some of those that are not in the service, I could totally understand going, well, they're a firefighter, they're a certified firefighter. It'd be the same thing going, well, they're, they're an attorney. Right. So what if we just we did? I was out? just fixing to say, did we answer anything? Yeah, we did. I Hatched did. it. I did. Hatched it. Solved something. <clears throat> yeah. Extended, Extended probation. Extended I think probation. that's problematic, though. But that's just uh, what is it in the fire service? <laughs> it will be problematic because that uh, tends to be an HR policy work period, right? And you'd have to change that. Hey, well, you know, we're a group of guys with no real answers. So send us your problems. Yeah, yeah. we're great. <laughs> but you we got nothing. We will talk about HR? it. Argue. So we overcome one problem just to create another one. So we have control to go, well, we're going to do this. We're going to do it in a shorter period of time. We're going to put them out. But then we're, we're now leaning on another division to also flex for that and say, well, you're going to have to extend that probationary time outside. So it's almost like the organization as a whole has to come together to try to overcome a problem. Now, I think shortchanging yourself by saying, I'm going to start a lateral process just because it's a shorter process that doesn't require that much financial uh, contribution. That, I think, is a cheat. Mm. As an alternative to the problem, I think it's something that can be worked with. But I don't feel that, you know, you have the capability of doing a complete recruit class and, and getting all that knowledge base and everything you want in there. <coughs> but, you know, just to save time... You decide, hey, this is going to save me time and money. I'm going lateral. I think that's a huge mistake myself. Yeah, I think we did both at the same time. We had full track and fast track going on at the same time. 
know, guys know experience, guys with you know some experience coming in. And you're covering both of your bases because you know you're shorthanded and you're trying to do some, but you, you don't want to shortchange yourself either. Yeah, but I mean, it did have some catastrophic results at one point, and you know we pretty much stayed off of it for years. Has that so? Let's say a department does a lateral process, and in that process, something takes place where a um, there's a fatality. There's a great probability that department also had a fatality that was a non-lateral hire that went through an entire recruit process. So I, I don't know that you handicap yourself by one issue that took place that could. Uh, I guess in some instances you could, it's easy to, not easy to say that, but it, you know, but having watched that go through, I can definitely tell you that the department takes a lot of the legal aspects of it and thinks, you know, where did we fail? Mm-hmm. You know, and you know, so was it so? Let's say so. You obviously went through an incident where something like that happened. Mm-hmm. Where did the lateral system fail, in your opinion, or can you even talk about that? Uh, I'm not so sure it, it did. You know, I wasn't. I wasn't really into uh, that. I mean, there were definitely things brought up in the in the uh, reports uh, about it. You know, that we needed to do, and that, but that was universal. It wasn't necessarily about, about the training or whatever. But I think that made a lot of people very reluctant to get involved in that again mm-hmm. because of that. Because you know, you're like, you know, what do we focus our time on? You know, do we focus our time on? Uh, the department way we do things or the national standard of the way to do things, you know, you know, what, what is it that's going to keep them the safest, you know, and that that's something that we have struggled to try and get back to. And we are in the midst of a, a hiring crisis or, or a staffing crisis. So they're looking at doing another one, but I know that's a lot of the trepidation that they have is how do we overcome and not have this repeat itself? I mean, nobody wants to have a department where we have a line of duty death. I mean, nobody's looking to try, you know, and that there's no loss that's acceptable, you know, full track or fast track. So everybody's trying to figure out what is the best way. And then, so I can completely understand Bill's point on it. But on the, just like I was saying earlier, on the flip side of that, running your people short because of staffing mm-hmm. and, and not having a way to, to complete that because of the length of what we have to do and how it works. And, the, you know, just as not as many people are interested in it, you know, especially younger people, there's a lot of different career paths for them to take. Nowadays, it didn't exist. We got to think outside the box, and I don't want to belabor it, but to me, it almost—it's very similar to, um, which I know it's still hot and heavy, but it hit really hot and heavy a few years ago. Where they go, if that tenement looks like, if that place looks untenable and it looks like there's no life, we don't search it. And then you have the other ones fighting, saying, "You have to search it. It is right. not searched till we searched it." Well, that all comes from someone getting injured or losing their lives, and a right. result of that. Mm-hmm. Some fear sets in, some apprehension sets in, and all of a sudden the decision-making process could be skewed big time to go, well, hang on a second. got to make a very good decision on whether we search that structure or not. So then it ends up dividing the fire service to those that go, well, I don't think anybody can live through that, so we're not going to search it. And I don't want to get into that debate, but it's kind of the same thing when you're looking at going, well, does an outcome... <laughs> That's exactly where I was going to go when he was saying earlier that uh, he doesn't know how he can do that. And I'm like... When I, you know, how, how do I know that these guys are going to survive uh, their careers? And I was like, I, I'm the same way when I go to a scene. I don't know that these tactics are 100% going to work. I'm hoping they are. You know, I'm taking my experience and what I've seen in the past, but it's kind of the same thing. There are, right. what we do, there are no guarantees. Yeah, we yeah. cannot apply it and say, this is going to work 100% of the time. But then we try to do this outcome-based thing of whether you did it right or and wrong. That's, exactly. that's how where I have a problem. Absolutely. So, I mean, it, there's a, very, a lot of similarities, even though it's, you know, ours is operational, yours is training-wise. It's the same kind of fears right. of that we just have to accept a certain amount of risk that, I don't know. This is going to yeah, really work. The, the person that gets I'm in the plane. Like, I don't know how to put the landing gear down. Somebody please tell me how to work. Right, <laughs> right. Hmm. No, we still didn't solve anything. I'm no, we didn't solve anything. Well, it? we don't try to solve anything. And no, we just said true. well by three people. So that, here we are. We're no, at the end. Well, 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 well. well. <laughs> and we're looking for a fourth well. Well. <laughs> you have to listen to the previous episode to yeah. understand that. And that's, <laughs> Definitely send us your thoughts and opinions. You know, some of these topics, they, 
we say it often that they're super complex. It's not such a simple answer. You got somebody sitting out there saying, hey, we have a phenomenal ladder program that we've done forever. Absolutely. And, and they're saying not to. And so it's not. It's just a discussion that's being had out there. And we're just bringing some light to it. And even within the room, we have very different opinions on uh, how to apply it, where to apply it. And there's people that are doing it right all over the country. Right. And there's some that have made some or felt they maybe had uh, made some errors in it and haven't done it again. What, so, do we, what do we call it? Landmine issues before? Yeah, landmine issue. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, 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 well. <laughs>